then it could go correctly. And that's the same thing with you and me. There is so much foolishness in you and I's heart that the only way for us to get victory over it is, uh, is for God to break, to break us. And that is the only acceptable offering to God. If you look in your Bibles, just real quick, to Exodus 29, or you don't have to turn there. If you want to just look at, um, if you want to look at Exodus, uh, just write down Exodus chapter 29, verse, verses 15 through 18. The Bible talks about the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Bible talks about how the offering can't just be offered whole to God. You can't do that. When, when the children of Israel offered up offerings to God, they couldn't just bring a whole ram or a whole lamb and just leave it there like that and offer it up to God. That's not how he did things. He says in Exodus 29:15, he says, Then you shall take one of the rams, and Aaron his son shall lay their hands upon the head of the ram, and you shall slaughter the ram, take its blood, and throw it against the altar round about. Then you shall cut the ram into pieces, Cut the ram into pieces and wash its entrails and its legs and put them with its pieces and its head and then burn the whole ram upon the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing odor, an offering by fire to the Lord. And so how do you see us in this? The Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Offer yourselves to God as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not, be, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So how does God do that for us? He cuts us up. He cuts us up. There are things that we like to touch that we have no business touching, so our hands got to be cut. There are things that we like saying that we have no business saying, so our tongues got to be cut up. There are places we like to go that we have no business going, so our feet have to be cut up. There are things that we like to watch that are completely unchristlike, so our eyes got to be cut up. And all of this comes from the head, as you saw, so the head's got to be cut off. And then it's got to be replaced with the, head of, with the one who is the head of the body, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. It's got to be replaced with him. And so the Lord puts you and me through very difficult circumstances. He puts us through trials. He puts us through tribulations. He lets us go through struggles to break us of our self-will behavior. And you see that all throughout. Uh, you look at, uh, just write this down. If you look at Exodus chapter 15, where um, the, the Lord takes them, out of what, and, and praise, thank you, Father. The, the Bible says in Psalms that you took us and you put us in fire, you put us in water, you put us in fire, you put us in water, you caused men to ride over our heads, you put us, but then you brought us to a spacious place. God puts us through these situations, fire, water, fire, water, over and over and over again. He puts us in, takes us out, puts us in, takes us out. Oh, you got victory over your speech. Okay, now let's get victory over you watching uh, pornography or watching unchristlike television shows where they're killing, cussing, and having sex. Let's get victory over that. So I'm going to put you back in fire and, and melt your eyes. I want you to get out of that, the bad habit of watching that. Oh, you, okay, you got victory over that, but then you're still tempted to go places you have no business going. 
So I gotta I gotta break your car down. I gotta I gotta cause your tires to get slashed. I gotta cause your insurance to go up. I gotta do all these different things because you're using your car in an unchristlike way. I've gotta get your attention. I've gotta get you out of those things. So the Lord puts you and me through fire and water. Oh, you're you're greedy. You're a miser. You don't you don't believe in sharing with your brothers and sisters and giving. You know you you love money. So I've got to cause you to go broke. I've got to cause your bills to go up. I've got to put a, put put you in such a situation that you don't have money to pay for. But let, let you get in over let you get in over your head so you can humble yourself before me and pray and seek my face and stop being so self-centered with the loving loving money instead of loving my people with my with my money. He puts us in fire, water, fire, water. And then in the end, he brings us to a spacious place. You see an example of that in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 22. The Bible says, Then Moses led Israel onward from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. See, the wilderness is always the place where God wants to purge you and me. If if you're in a situation where it seems like everything is not going the way you think it should go, everything is going wrong, everything is falling apart, the wilderness, the Lord is trying to melt you down, get you by yourself, break you, break you down, humble you, make you, show you your dependence upon him so that way you can be holy and pure and, uh, and acceptable to him. He says in verse 15, verse, uh, Exodus 15 and 22, Then Moses led Israel onward from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water, no water to drink, my God. And water is the most important, the, the most important n- nutrient for the body. And what does the Bible say? Why did God put them in the, that situation? Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. You see, you don't know anything about thirst until you're in the desert. You see, that's how we're supposed to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Like there's no water to drink. You see, and that's the thing, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, that's the lesson here. To bring them into the desert, they had no water to drink. He says that they could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter, therefore it was named Mara. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There, the Lord, so what was that? The lesson, again, the lesson is to be dependent. The Lord, the Lord wants to purge us of our self-centered, rebellious, and stubborn ways. He brings us into a desert place, takes away the water so we can hunger and thirst after righteousness. And then after we hunger and thirst for righteousness and cry out to him for it, then he provides it. So he made, he made the water sweet. There the Lord made for them, verse 25, there the Lord made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he tested them saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give heed to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon you which I put upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. So the Lord took them through some fire right there, 1522 through 25. The Lord took them through some fire, Then he brought them to water. Look at verse 27. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. So the Lord put them in fire. Then he put them in water to cool them off. Then, because there was was still some more, there was more rebellion in their hearts, God put them back in fire again. 
verse chapter 16 and verse 1. They set out from Elam. God, see, God will take you out of that place of abundance. He'll take you out of that place of plenty. He'll take you out of that where, you, where everything is okay, everything is comfortable. He'll take you out of all that and put you back in a situation where you're in trouble and you have to depend on him. Because, why? Because he's trying to get unchristlikeness, unholiness, impurity out of you and me. Verse six, chapter 16 and 1, they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to where? The wilderness of sin, right? First, they were in, what? They were in the wilderness of Shur. God took them out of that, right? Gave them water. Then he put them back into another wilderness. He put them back. Why? Because there's more unchristlikeness that he's got to get out of them, more of rebellion, more of loving the world, more selfishness, more stubbornness, more rebellion that, they've got to, that the Lord is trying to get out. They set out from, the congrega- from, uh, from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month. And so you pay attention to that, Sinai. The Lord is getting ready to meet with them. You see, all of this, I'm, pur- I'm purging you, I'm purging you, I'm purging you, I'm purging you. Why? So you can get ready to meet me. That's what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3. Uh, he says, those who, he says, and we know, uh, he says, that the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the coming of the Lord, the return of the Lord, he says, and those who want to see him will purify him themselves even as he is pure. First John chapter 3 says that. So you see the Lord is trying to purify, 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 purify us to get us ready to meet him. And you see that same process here. In Exodus chapter 16, he's putting them through fire. He's putting them through water. He's going, he's taking, he's taking them from one wilderness and putting them in another. Why? Because he's trying to purge all of that foolishness out of them so when they get ready to meet him at Sinai, they'll be ready to accept the covenant. So he says, he, uh, he says, they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the sons of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness and said to them, <clears throat> would, you see that still, you see that sin is still in them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by flesh pots and ate the bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, the Bible says what? Why did God take away their food? Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That is him, him, to hunger and thirst after him. Yeshua says, man shall live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Are you struggling? Are you hungry? Are you going without? Are you hungering after God? That's the question. Are you struggling financially? Whatever is going on with you, are you hungering and thirsting for God? The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone. Money is also another, another synonym for bread. Money. Man shall not live by bread alone, physical bread, money, whatever, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God will take away your ability to take care of yourself. He will take away. I'll take away your ability to provide for your family. I'll take away your ability to work. I'll take away your health. I'll take away all these things. 
that, that those things that allowed you to produce bread. The children of Israel in Egypt, they were able to produce food for themselves to eat. Now they're coming to the desert. The Lord took away that ability. Now you can't take care of yourself. Now you can't provide for yourself. There is no working that you can do. You're in the desert. There's nothing you can grow. The only person you can look to now is me, the Lord says. Now what you're going to do, you need to look to me. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Is that how we're living today? Are we dependent upon our own ability? Or are we hungering and thirsting for God and depending upon him to provide, his ability to provide for us? He says, you come, you brought this whole assembly into the desert to kill us with hunger. He says, then what happened? The Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my law or not. And that is what God does. The Lord brings us into these situations. And I know I've got to knock off because it's 12 o'clock. Uh, and I'm going to respect the man of God and what he told me. The God brings us to these places of difficulty, of hardship, of suffering, because the Lord wants to purge you and me of our sinfulness and wickedness, all of us, the things we think in our private life, the dreams we have, the selfish motives, selfish desires, selfish ambition, pride, arrogance, all these, our agenda. The Lord wants to get rid of all of that, throw it all out. And there is no way to get rid of that foolishness that's in our hearts other than trial, tribulation, and suffering, pain, the same kind of pain as the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 29 of cutting our eyes out, the same kind of pain like getting an arm chopped off, the same kind of pain as getting your tongue cut out, the same kind of pain as getting your foot cut off. We need that kind of pain to get the foolishness out because that is all we respond to. That's all we respond to. And the goal of God in this is not to hurt us. That's not the point. The Lord is not, to, not trying to hurt us. If you look at Daniel chapter 3, if you look at Daniel chapter 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when the three of them were thrown into the furnace, the only thing that was damaged on them was the thing that kept them bound. The ropes that tied them, that kept them bound, that was burnt up. And that's, how, that's what happens to you and me. When you and I go through the fire of God that he puts on us, difficult job, difficult situation, difficult wife, difficult children, difficult family, find difficult situations in our finances, difficulties with health, all these issues, the Lord is trying to burn away from you and me the foolishness that keeps us bound, that keeps us from going forward into Christ-likeness. God wants to free us from that so we can serve him entirely. The Bible says in 2 Peter in chapter 4, and perhaps we'll close with this so that way we can... I want to be, I want to be obedient here. 2 Peter chapter 4. Look in your Bibles. I'm sorry, forgive me. It's 1 Peter chapter 4. Look in your Bibles at 1 Peter in chapter 4, and I want you to remember this. 1 Peter in chapter 4, verse 1. Remember this verse, please. 
beginning one through three. He says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. You see, arm yourselves with the same mind. That's the same mind that Yeshua had. The Bible says that he was, in Hebrews that he was perfected through suffering. He was made perfect through suffering. Have that same mind. I am going to be made perfect by suffering. So I don't need to think it strange like James chapter 1. Don't think it's strange when I fall into diverse trials. I don't need to think it's weird like, man, what's going on? I am being made perfect through suffering. That's what's happening to me. He says, arm yourselves with the same thought, the same mind. Why? He says, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You've done. You're done. It's over. No more. It's no longer in your life anymore. When you suffer, you have conquered it. You have conquered it. It's over. When you submit to the working of God, the suffering that he's going to bring into your life to give you victory over sin, it's over. You've defeated it in your life. This is why people who say you can never get victory over sin in this life, they're liars. You're lying because the Bible clearly says he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, meaning you've stopped. You've stopped. It's over for you. No more. When you are willing to suffer, that means deny yourself. Every time you say no to what your flesh wants, that's denying. That's suffering. Every time you feel like watching that porn or watching that filthy show on TV with killing and cussing and sex, every time you say no to that, every time you say no to those unchristlike friends who want to hang out with you, every time you say no to greed, every time you say no to lust, every time you say no to covetousness, wanting stuff that's not yours, every time, every time you say no, you're suffering, and you stop sinning. You stop. It's over in your life. Every time you choose against it, you're getting victory over sin in your inner life. He says he has ceased from sin. Stop. Stop believing people who say you can't get victory over sin. It's a lie from hell. You have stopped sinning. And why have you stopped sinning? Verse 2, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer by human passions, but by the will of God. So when I stop sinning, when I choose against the flesh, when I submit to the suffering that God wants to bring in my life, the pain, the hurt, the hardship, difficulty, when I submit to that and say, Lord, I am not going to resist, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to go through this with you, and by your grace we're going to go through it together. Hallelujah. We're going to go through it together, and by your grace we're going to get victory over this sin in my inner life. You stop sinning, and not only do you stop sinning, you live the, no longer the rest of your whole life. Your whole life becomes separated to God. You become holy. You become sanctified. You become a part of God's family. You live your whole life like that, wherever you are. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Once you make up in your mind that I'm going to give up my life to God, I'm going to let him work in me. All that has got to be worked into me, the suffering, you become holy. That's the process of holiness is when you submit to the suffering that God and the discipline and correction that God wants to bring in your life to give you victory over sin. That's how you join his family. And so when you do that, you, no matter how old you are, you could be 50 years old, the rest of your time in the flesh. You could be 90 years old, the rest of the time in the flesh. You can be 10, 11, 12 years old, the rest of the time in your flesh. The Bible says you'll no longer live by human passions but how? By the will of God. 
and that's how you want to live. He says, verse 3, he says, let, he says, 